Father, in Jesus' name, make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. In Jesus' name, let every heart be a learning heart and every hear an attentive ear. In the name of Jesus, help me to make it simple, clear, concise, and edifying in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, friends, today's message is called, We Worship Every Day. If you look at your bulletin, you see that old WWE logo on there? Remember that old WWE logo? Huh? Isn't that beautiful? Look at the artwork here, huh? Say, we worship every day. Now, the word uh, praise, I just looked up the word praise. I'm not counting praises. I'm not counting praising. I'm not counting the word worship. I'm not counting the word thanks or thanksgiving or thankfulness. If I did that, it would be many more. I just took, uh, did a little word search in my uh, uh, blue letter Bible. <coughs> and I counted 248 times that the word praise appears in the Bible. Huh? That would seem to be a very significant Bible word. Uh, if you read the Psalms, it shows up, just that one word shows up 160 times in the book of Psalms. And you will find that many times uh, the psalmist is writing during a time of great conflict. Anybody ever been through a great conflict? I've been through a few, right? Some of us have been overseas and been in wars and such. And uh, some of, well, how many veterans we got here today? How many veterans we got here today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just tell you something. There, there's, there's wars here on, on earth that, that you men have been involved in. But there is a spiritual warfare for the soul, right? There's, there's a warfare for the soul of America. There's a warfare for the soul of the church. There's a warfare for your soul right now. Now, your soul is your mind, your will, your imaginations, hmm? your memories, your sensibilities. That's your soul. That is the area where Satan and his smelly little critters want to work. Now, e evil spirits are a real thing. And they, they, they do not appear normally, or very often anyway, where you can see them with your physical eye. But if you are under a cloud of doubt or fear or confusion, huh? it could be that there is a spirit that is trying to uh, that wage war against your soul. This is not uncommon. When we get in things like confusion or we get in things like bearing a grudge and we begin to turn over what they did to me over and over and over in our minds, that's your soul. And the enemy wants to just kind of remind you every now and then of what they did to you. You're going to let them get away with that. That wasn't fair what they did to you. Now the, now the Christian way is to let it go. I said let it go. I said let it go. That's your only answer. I, I, you know, I wish there was an easy answer to all of life's problems. But there aren't. Listen, and this is not why I'm here. To give you a bunch of simplistic answers to complicated life issues. Hmm? Letting it go is a lot easier to preach than it is to live, isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Because the warfare is that once you make that decision, I'm going to let them go. I'm not going to bear this grudge. See, the, the founding fathers wrote the Declaration of Independence. When did they sign that? Anybody know? July 4th, 1776. Right? That's not when the war ended. That's when the war began. It was a 12-year conflict. 
a life and death struggle for the soul of this nation in its infancy. You know, the same thing happened with Israel. Did you know that? Uh, on the day Israel declared their independence, I believe it was May 7th, 1948, they were attacked by, what is it, a half a dozen hostile Arab nations. On the day they, were, on the day they declared their independence, on the, day of, the first day as a nation, they were attacked by their enemies. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. As a pastor and as a church, I stand with Israel. I said, I stand with Israel. And in higher education, if they don't stand with Israel... Boy, I almost said it. Almost got streetwise here a little bit. Almost said it. They can go somewhere. Almost said it, you know? If, if the university don't stand with Israel, I don't care. If the professor does not stand with Israel, I don't care. Amen. If, if the, the president, the vice president, speaker of the house, the congress, the senate, the supreme court don't stand with Israel, I stand with Israel in the name of Jesus. With my dying breath, I'll stand with Israel. You read... Uh, Matthew chapter 25. Now the governor of this state, I'm not trying to be political here today, I'm just telling you what happened. The governor of this state, Jared Polis, let's pray for him right now. Father, help him. Open the eyes of his understanding. Let him desire godly counsel. Is that a good prayer? Yes. In Jesus' name. The Bible says we're supposed to pray for our elected officials. Let's pray for Donald Trump right now. It doesn't mean I love him or hate him or nothing. The Bible says pray for him. In Jesus' name, help him see the truth. Help him speak the truth. Let him be preserved in office to fulfill his term. And his family, let them have protection in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So Jared Polis stood up just a few days ago and quoted Matthew chapter 25. Read several verses. And if you read Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, and all nations shall be gathered before him. And he's going to divide the nations like a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. Huh? Now, what is that dividing rod that he's going to use? Does anybody know? Did you feed poor folks? Well, that's what Jared Polis said. Did you visit sick folks? Well, that's what Jared Polis said. Right? Did you give all your money to the government so they could solve all your problems? That's what he thought. That's, what he's, that's his message. Is that we're supposed to allow the government, right, to, listen, the government don't have a heart. No, right. The government don't love you. Right. God did not give the government a heart. He gave the church a heart. He gave the government a sword. That's why when the government gets involved in stuff, they always end up slicing and dicing, cutting and dividing. And so his message was that if we uh, all get together here and Take care of all the poor folks. Listen, I, I, I've been poor. I've been so broke I could not buy food. That was many, many pounds ago. <laughs> I was so broke I could not buy gas. I had a $100 car that I abandoned on the side of the road. I was broke, beyond broke. I was so broke it, it was not even, it, it was bad, real bad. I had, to, I had to ask people for food. I'm not there no more. Huh? And I didn't get there from some, from some program from the government. I got there because I found out what the Word of God says, and I started acting on it. At the worst, darkest time in my life, I began to obey the Bible, and there was a turnaround. Amen. And if my life means anything, this is the message. You could take the Word of God, and you could turn around any situation on earth. Amen. Anything. Say anything. anything. 
Now, do you think any situation is bigger than God? Well, why don't you just praise him then? See, that's the key. That's the message today is instead of talking the problem, help me, Jesus, instead of talking the problem, instead of describing the problem, ad nauseum. Anybody know what ad nauseum means? A little bit of Latin. Thought I'd use a little bit of Latin in here today. It means till you're sick of yourself. Describing the problem. How's that working for you anyway? Has anybody ever gotten any results by describing the problem till you're blue in the face? It don't work. I've tried it. The only answer, if you're a Christian. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're somebody else, I mean, that's your business. I'm not coming against you. But if you're a Christian, your answer is get in the Word of God and say what He says and praise Him in the middle of your temptation. Praise Him in the middle of your trouble. Praise Him in the middle of the darkness. Praise Him when the weight is upon you, when the weight of the world is upon you. Praise Him when you're confused. Praise Him, I said. Look it up. Look it up. Do we have faith? Who's got faith in here? Then you have to use your faith like a weapon. You cannot be passive. I said you cannot be passive. Anybody ever been in a fight? Hmm? I've been in a couple. All right? I went to 22 schools. I've been beat up by girls with jump ropes. It was not fun. All right? <laughs> Hurts. I was passive. <laughs> I learned to be a little bit more aggressive. Huh? Come on, if you're in a fight, you've got to be aggressive. Is that right? Am I telling you the truth? If you're in a fight, you must be aggressive. I'm here to coach you, right? How to get through some of the spiritual battles that you are facing right now. And if not, you're sure to face very soon. You have to be aggressive. You have to be assertive. you got to know your weapons. Woo, that thing is thumping over here, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Uh, God's been dealing with me about our building. I said, God's been dealing with me about our building. Stand up, everybody, for just a minute. All right? I want you to point your finger at a big, empty box on a main street in the name of Jesus and call it into the kingdom of God. I'm thinking right over here. In Jesus' name, everybody, in Jesus' name, Jesus. you come to us. In Jesus' name, you come into our hands. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated, amen. You've got to be assertive in a warfare. You've got to claim territory if you're in a warfare, right? Right? I mean, you know, when the politicians get involved in war, they politicize it. You know, you take that hill and then the, and then the, the politicians say, well, let's back up a little bit here. Well, you don't know if you're supposed to be winning or losing. You try that in a street fight, you're going to get tore up. Amen. Right? You have to finish. <laughs> you got you to gotta finish the guy, right? <laughs> you got to finish it. Amen? Amen. Let me have a sip of water here. I'll be right back with you. Say, we worship every day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. I want you to look with me for just a minute <clears throat> at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, this is one of the classic scriptures on our weapon of praise. Say, our weapon of praise. Friend, listen to me. Come on now. You got to wake up. You are in a life and death struggle. And at the darkest times, your weapon of praise will cut through anything. But you got to use it. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. I cannot do it for you. 
Sooner or later, you must pick up the weapons of warfare and begin to use them. Now, I'm just going to read here some to you out of the King James Bible. Is that okay? Can everybody can dig King James? It, it was good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ and the 12 apostles. It's good enough for us, right? That's a joke, all right? King James was 1611, and that was 1,600 years after Jesus. Okay, all right. You all awake? Everybody good? Say, I'm hearing. I'm getting it. I'm taking it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to put the cookies right. I'm going to leave the lid off the cookie jar for you today. And all you got to do is come get you some, amen? But you got to come get you some from the Word of God today, all right? All right, I'm in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, children of Ammon, and uh, the other Ammonites came out against Jehoshaphat to battle. Say Jehoshaphat. All right. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against you from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. All right, so the, the news comes to the king that there's three armies coming against him. Now, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, which is one-twelfth of the children of Israel. There was 12 tribes. There was a split early on in the kingdoms. And, and 10 of them went to, uh, uh, the, they called it the kingdom of Israel, and uh, two went to uh, uh, to Judah, and I believe one was absorbed. I believe uh, it was Benjamin, if I'm not mistaken, disappeared. Is that not correct? Amen. So they only had they only had uh, uh, all all Jehoshaphat had was one twelfth of Israel at his disposal to fight right against three armies. And Jehoshaphat, verse three, feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So he gathered a, a solemn assembly. And he says, I want everybody there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, and, he, and he, this was his prayer, verse 6. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And don't you rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in your hand there is, is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel? See, he's rehearsing Israel's history. Now this is hundreds of years after the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Right? They had the period of the judges, which lasted about 400 years or so. Now you're, uh, you're uh, a couple hundred years into the kingdoms uh, of Israel now. The history of the kings of Israel now. And he is rehearsing things that happened hundreds of years earlier. Didn't you drive out all these people uh, out of the land that you gave to the seed of Abraham, your friend, forever? He's rehearsing the covenant that God made with Israel. This is what you got to do. If you're in a tight spot, you got to find out the articles of the covenant that apply to your case and rehearse them before the judge. I mean, praise the Lord. If somebody wrote you up as an heir of a great fortune, and you found some dusty old document that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This says that I inherit all this stuff from this rich relative? Huh, interesting. Kind of fold it up. All right, that's cool. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And stick it somewhere and walk away. Is that what you'd do? What would you do with that document? 
Yeah, you'd read it, and then what? If you believed it after you read it, what would you do then? Buddy, you'd take that into the courtroom. Huh? You'd say, hey, judge. This says I get all this stuff. Huh? Here's my ID. What would he say? Granted unto you, right? He'd say it's granted. You got it, baby. You're, that's your name. Huh? All they do is check your ID. What's your ID? You are, you are a child of the living God, and Jesus is your Lord. You've taken the name of Jesus. You have the proper identification, and you've got a blood covenant, and God is your judge, and he's also your papa. You can't lose. Just get in the courtroom and say, you know what, Lord? It says right here, I'm supposed to be free from poverty. Yeah, I just want to praise you. Hallelujah. It says right here, I'm supposed to be free from sickness. I just want to worship you and praise you that this is true. You said it. I believe it. I'm good. Amen. And start praising him even if you don't feel like it. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Do you believe your feelings more than you believe the blood covenant? Written in the name of Jesus. Passed down to you for generations and placed in your hands for one purpose so you could live by it. Do you believe what you feel more than you believe what God said? That's what we got to find out here today. Amen? So he goes in there and rehearses this to the Lord, you know. Didn't you give this land to the seed of Abraham? He's rehearsing the written articles of the covenant. And we dwelt here and we built you a sanctuary here because you said, verse 9... When evil comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, or whatever, if we come stand in this house in your presence, for your name is in this house. See, you have New Testament parallels to this Old Testament story. Where is the house of God right now? You are it. He said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Say, I'm the house of God. Come on, say it. Say, I am the house of God. And he says, he says, your name is in this house. Amen. What's his name? Jesus. Amen. Say Jesus. Jesus. Have you taken the family name? That's all the judge needs to know. That's all the devil needs to know. If the devil knows you got the family name on you, he can't handle you. Right. Amen. I said he cannot handle you. Amen. You look like Jesus to him. Amen. He can't handle you. If, uh, if, if we cry unto you in our affliction, you're going to hear us and help. He, that's what he said. He's rehearsing Solomon's prayer on the day that the temple was dedicated. You said in the written word that if we come stand in this place in your name that you'd hear us. Now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, they, they, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even let us invade them. When they came out of Egypt, they passed by Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they wanted to conquer them, and they could have. But God said, no, I have not given you their land. Not, not even a, a, a hand breadth, I think he said. I haven't even given you a few inches of their land. You know, God is really into borders. If a nation does not have borders, it is no longer a sovereign nation. And nations will be judged as nations. That's Matthew 25, if you want to know the truth. The sheep are going to be divided for the, from the goats on how they treat Israel. Huh? That's one thing that makes America different and exceptional and special. Is that we are the, the eternal friend of Israel. 
And the moment we turn our back on Israel, we become like every other God-forsaken heathen nation. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching right there. Amen. Amen. It's not politically correct, but that's good teaching right there. Amen. All right. You wouldn't let us invade them when uh, we came out of the land of Egypt, but you, we turned from them. <coughs> oh, love you, Lord. Amen. Behold. Behold. So, so Jehoshaphat is praying in verse 11. He says, Behold, I say, how they reward us. They want to come and cast us out of your possession. What? After you wouldn't let us invade them on the way out of Egypt, we passed by, let them be. Now we went where you told us to go. Now they've come behind us and want to cast us out of your land that you gave us. They're, they're, they're making God part of this deal. They're saying, all right, Lord, are you, are you okay with this? You told us, you brought us out of Egypt. You took us and put us in the promised land, right? We did not invade Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir on the way. And here we are minding our own business in our land, and they're coming to cast us out of the land that you gave us. Are you cool with that, Jesus? Huh? What do you think? Come on now. You got to get involved. You got to get God involved in your situation. If you're not moved, if you're not, listen, you got to get him involved. <laughs> Amen. I mean, when I was growing up, we went to all these different schools. We moved around a lot. And, and if I saw somebody picking on my little brother, I got involved. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I was the self-appointed security system you, you touch my brother or sister it's all bets are off I don't care yeah but the, you're going to go to the principal's office and what you touch my brother or sister you, that's it I'm going to step in I'm going to get involved God has a righteous anger when his children are persecuted and only because of his great mercy does, he, does anybody ever survive touching one of God's anointed? But the day is coming when they're going to stand and answer for every bit of it. Oh God, verse 12, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither We don't even know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord. Listen carefully. With their little ones, their wives, and their children. Listen to me. You need to get your whole family under the covering of the kingdom of God. Well, what if they won't come? Then they won't come. You do everything you can. You want to tr try to maintain peace in your home. But they need to get in here. They know it. Your kids need to be under the covering of the household of God. Don't let them go. If they're wandering, don't let them go. I mean spiritually. If your children are wandering, that's ah, they're going to hell. Don't ever say that. No. Keep them in prayer under that covering. Take a stand and do not relent. See, so all my kids are being saved. All my kids are being saved. All my kids are being saved in Jesus' name. See, so I said all my kids are being saved in Jesus' name. Yeah, every single one of them. They're all going to serve God. Come on, I say this all the time. All my kids are going to serve God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. There's something about it, man, when you get your whole family under one roof. Isn't that right? You get your whole family on the same page. There's something special that happens. Here we go. Verse 14. And then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the middle of the congregation. So this one fella, he's just a member of the congregation. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost comes on him, and he starts to prophesy. And he said, 
Listen to me, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine some old boy standing up and saying, listen here, Donald Trump, right? <laughs> Thus saith the Lord unto you, don't be afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Yes. Are we ever going to learn this? Are we ever going to stop trying to fight the wars in the, in the flesh? Come on. When you're in faith, you're cool. Praise the Lord, I said. When you're in faith, you're cool. Why? Because you know how it's going to turn out. What? You know how it's going to turn out. Come on now. Come on now. You know you can just fight better when you're cool. Is that the truth or is that not the truth? Amen. If you get all freaked out, you can't fight, right? Right. I seen, <laughs> I seen Shaq fight one time. You ever seen? Or who, I think it was Shaq. He's like this. I'm like, brother, come on, man. You got you to clean that, that a little bit. Clean that up a little bit. Come on. There's some basketball player. I'm like, dude, you, that's not how you fight. <laughs> I had a guy come at me that, like that one time when I was delivering, I was delivering trash. No, I was picking up trash. Got to keep that straight, right? <laughs> I was picking up trash, and his dog comes out, right? And here comes a big dog coming out. I took the trash can and went, booyah, right in the mouth. With it in that, that, right? That's what you do. Amen? Don't, don't be writing me no letters. <laughs> the dog's coming out to bite me. I hit him with a trash can. And the guy comes out and wants to fight me. He comes out <laughs> like that at me. <laughs> you know what I did? I held this one back in case I ever needed it. Never needed it. I just went boom, 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 boom. He said, <laughs> yeah, I went to court. Yeah, I got through it. All right. Okay. <laughs> doing it like that. He's doing it like this. And I just, I'm just moving it like that. Boom, boom. I'm like... <laughs> Oh, and the ambulance came to get his dog. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> the battle's not yours, but God's. Verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against him. Behold, they deem be down there by the cliff of Ziz. Anybody ever been down there by the cliff of Ziz? No. Yeah, it's an ugly place, let me tell you. I don't recommend you go there. You shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Woo-wee! Come on, you ain't got to, don't freak out. Don't be afraid. Listen, all this junk you're going through is fear-based. Listen to me. Take this home with you. All this junk you're going through is fear-based. It's fear that the love of God is not going to change the situation. Come on, you got to become acquainted with the love of God. Can you hear me in the back? Okay. Yeah. you got to become acquainted with the love of God. Because once you're acquainted with the love of God... My little brother, every time he got in the playground tussle, he knew how it was going to turn out. My big brother's coming. He's going to whoop all you unses. Amen. Right? Come on. If you know your daddy, your brother's coming, you know it's going to be cool, right? right. Yep. Faith is cool. Say that faith is cool. Faith is cool. Don't ever let the devil see you sweat. Do you have faith in God? That's all we got to find out today. Do you have faith in God? Yes. Well, then just praise him in the middle of it. Say, I worship you, Lord. I know you love me. I know you love me. Why don't you put your hands on your heart right now and say, I know you love Brian. And you can say your own name right there, right? You can say Brian, too. That's all right. Come on, come on. Minister to yourself the love of God. Say, I know you love me. I know you love me. You ought to say that all day. You ought to say that when you wake up in the morning. I know you love me, Lord. I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you've never left me. You've never forsaken me. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. All right? He says in mind, verse 17, you don't need to fight this battle. Set yourselves. 
And stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, say fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, verse 18, with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worship, excuse me, worshiping the Lord. Everybody started worshiping God. Friends, if you can get a whole family worshiping God, something's going to happen. If you can get a whole church worshiping God, something big's going to happen. Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Not just some kind of a performance. Glory. And yeah. brother, we had... I mean, the Holy Ghost performed in here today. We were just instruments and channels of His power today. My worship team is just off the charts these days. I mean, I was just so caught up in it. If you can get a whole church caught up in worship, something big's about to happen. Trust me. That is scriptural. That is biblical. You're going to see the glory of God. Say amen. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. All right. And verse 19, and the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise. That means their worship team, right? These are the designated worshipers. They stood up formally to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. I mean, they cranked it up to their breaking windows. Come on. The word of God says that they shout in the throne room till the doorposts move in heaven. Brother, it's loud in there. Amen. If it's too loud, I mean, you know. Get earplugs or something. Because, amen. Because God, I mean, when you really get excited and the Broncos uh, 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 hit a home run, you scream, right? Anyway, okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> we make noise when something good happens, right? Amen. Amen. That's okay to make noise for the Broncos. I, I love them, you know. Amen. I heard they're getting Larry Bird coming back next year. Is that right? Play quarterback? No? Okay. <laughs> On high, 20. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. If, you ha if you're walking in faith, you're going to be established. You're not going to be shaken by every storm of life. You're not going to be confused with every breeze of doctrine. Listen to me. Listen to me as your pastor. When I hear about some cockeyed stuff that somebody put on some website, you come tell me you believe this newfangled garbage, I, I just might step in. That's one of my jobs is to help you stay on track. It, listen, if you don't... Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Be very vigilant over the stuff that you're, you're adhering to doctrinally. Amen. Amen. You don't have to know the name of every single demon that's coming after you. Bullcorn. We have it. Jesus says, stop trying to compare yourself to that situation. That's not how the word of God is used. You take the name of Jesus and you are above every name that can be named. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. That is every fallen angel. That is every demon spirit. Just stand in that name and walk in faith and walk in love. Buddy, it's going to be cool. I mean, I hear about some stuff where people are like, well, I heard you got to pray these 17 prayers every night before you go to bed so you don't have nightmares. Bull shrapnel. 
I remember when I used to live in my cabin up there about 8,500 feet. And I was, I was pretty young. I, and I was not nearly as dignified as I am right now. That was pretty rough. And I came out of a long, ugly history. Some of you know some of the details. I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, when, when you've been through some stuff in life, you may have some stuff left in your soul you've got to deal with. And it's mainly the way you think. That's why the Bible says you must uh, 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 renew your mind. You have to develop new patterns of thinking. New ways of speaking. Because those old patterns are hard habits to break sometimes. I mean, if you feed an old dog out the back door of the saloon every morning, the scraps from last night, he's going to show up every morning until you train that old dog that you ain't getting none here no more. Amen. So we have to retrain our mind. It's in the soul that the battle is. It's in the mind, the will, the motions, the memories. That's your warfare. You can do this. In the name of Jesus, you can do this. I go up there in my cabin, I try to put my head on the pillow at night, man, I'll tell you what. And all of a sudden, some stupid thought would come to me. Some fearful thought. What is that, by the way? Anybody know? That's the devil. Huh? God doesn't come to you with some fearful thought. He's the prince of peace. And I'm trying to lay my head on the pillow and get some rest, you know, after a long day of work and... Beautiful day, and I mean, I'm just cozying into my bed. You know, I got my dog over here. Everything's cool. The fire's crackling in the stove in the other room, you know. And I had some stupid thought. You know what I'd do? I'd throw them covers off me every time. I'd jump up out on the floor on my bare feet and say, In Jesus' name, I'm not tolerating these thoughts in my life anymore. Not tolerating it. In Jesus' name, I'm a child of the living God. I'm free from this. I will not live this way. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to tolerate these thoughts. That don't, these are not kingdom thoughts. Right. And you know what? After a while, I trained my mind. And I trained the devil that I'm for serious. Amen. Amen. You know, you can train the devil. And you can train your mind. I mean, for years, 100 times a day, at least, I'd say, shut up, devil, 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 in Jesus' name. Shut up, devil, 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 in Jesus' name. I did that all day. Some stupid thought was trying to invade my mind. I just would not give an inch of ground. How about you? I just would not give an inch. And if you take that attitude, you're going to get free. You're going to get free. I said you're going to get free. And then you're going to go around helping others get free too. Amen. You're going to be bad news for the kingdom of darkness because you're going to take territory for Jesus everywhere you go. Amen. But do not tolerate fearful thoughts. Praise God in the middle of your worst temptation. Learn to lift both your hands. You don't have to do this, you know, you know when the boss calls you and he wants to check your spreadsheets and stuff. Don't say, well, shandala, shandala, in Jesus' name. I go to Boost Church. Shut up. No, not, not now. Don't be dumb. Just come in there and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And in your car on your way home, I mean, you, you crank it up. You crank up the worship. Amen. In your home. You know, we ought to be filling our homes with praise and worship. Amen. I mean, I've got me a very expensive sound system at my house so I can crank it up and listen to it any and all the time. Brother, sister, listen to me. When you get to heaven, there is worship music constantly. Constantly. 
There's no breaking news that you can't live without that you heard four minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, I like news as much as the next guy, right? Right? But you know what? You've got to limit that stuff because it's making inroads into your consciousness. You ought to try to overdose on worship and praise in your home. Amen. Get you some good podcasts. This would be a good one. Play this. Play this. Amen. All right. They rose up early in the morning, came down here. Where am I here? All right. I said, believe in the Lord your God. This is Jehoshaphat speaking. So shall you be established. Listen carefully. I've only, I only got two hours left here, right? Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. That means you won't get yanked around in your soul anymore. Brother, sister, that's not God's will for you to be yanked around emotionally from pillar to post. It's not God's will. It's not God's will. And you know, sometimes you just got to stand up for yourself a little bit. I don't mean slap people. I mean tell people, send them a very clear message. It's not okay for you to, to constantly do this to me. You don't have to be mean about it. But if you have, listen, if you're married and one of, your in -law, one of the in-laws is always trying to drive a wedge between husband and wife, you've got to do something about that, husbands and wives. You've got to tell them, you know, this is just not okay. I love you, I respect you, but this is not okay. Amen. Well, we're hitting everything here today, aren't we? Believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets. Buddy, you better hang on tight. I said, believe his prophets, so shall you what? Succeed. Succeed. King James says prosper. Do you want to prosper? You know what prosper means? It means doing better today than I did yesterday. Amen. It means doing better this year than I did last year. Do you want to prosper? Yeah. How bad do you want to prosper? Real bad. Yeah. Hmm? you got to want it bad. Because if you're just going to tolerate mediocrity, that's where you're going to stay. What's the old story about the guy, you know, training the young apprentice? Takes him down to the river and asks him, do you want to prosper? And the boy says, well, sure, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and he says, really? He says, yeah. So he grabs him, right, about a collar, sticks his head in the river, holds him down there for a while. And the kid's kicking and flailing. He thinks he's going to drown. He yanks him back up and says, you want to prosper? He's <laughs> and the kid's spitting water and cussing and yelling and everything. He puts him back under there, right? Holds him down there. Brings him back up, says, you want to prosper? He said, yes, sir. He says, when you want to prosper as bad as you wanted that next breath, you're on the right path. God did not send Jesus to die on the cross for anything for you that you're going to receive passively. This is a warfare we were in. A life and death struggle for your soul, the soul of this church, the soul of your family, the soul of this nation. You are in a life and death struggle. And I'm giving you the sharpest swords, I mean, in, in the armament today. It's a work for you. If, if, what, if what I'm preaching to you, if what I'm teaching you does not work on the street, forget it. It's just religion. 
Amen. Can you say amen? That's good preaching right there. Amen. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed, this is Jehoshaphat. Verse 21, they're getting ready to go into a fight. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Wait a minute, you're going to a war? Don't you want to get your best jujitsu guys? Your best snipers? Right? No, he says, we're going to get us some singers. We're going to get the worship team and put them in the front. That they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, here's what they said, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Say that with me. Say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which had come out against Judah, and they were smitten. Now let me unravel this for you here a little bit. When you start praising, when they started praising, angels came and got into the, the enemy army and confused them. This happened many times in the Bible. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and chariots, uh, Pharaoh's chariots were chasing them across the desert up against the Red Sea. Read it in, in uh, Exodus chapter 14, I think it's verse 25. It says the angels came out against uh, Pharaoh's army. And, and uh, it says they... Uh, they took the wheels off their chariots. <laughs> God will do that for you too. The enemy that's coming out after you, can't, he, can't, he can't take you if you start praising God. I said start praising God. All right. Now, the angels came into the enemy camp and they became confused. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against, verse 23, the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to destroy. They started fighting each other. How could they become so confused? And this happened many times in the Bible where the enemy armies started fighting each other and killed every single one. And they, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked upon the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. Remember, he said, you don't have to fight in this war. Every single one of them died, guys. Every single one. And Judah came uh, toward the watchtower in the wilderness, and they looked unto the multitude. None escaped, verse 25. And Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them. And they found in them an abundance of... Riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves. Now these, these armies must have swept through other towns and cities and kingdoms on their way and cleaned them out. And they still had all that booty, B-O-O-T-Y, right? They had all that spoil of war, right, with them. And when and Je, Jehoshaphat and his crew, they come down to the valley and they find all these guys dead. They go into tents and there's gold, diamonds, jewels, rubies, everything. Look at what it says. Which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil. It was so much. I tell you what, you get to praising God. You get to thanking God. Jumping around in your garage a little bit. Amen. You'll get, I mean, God will load you up so much you can't carry it all away. You'll be three days trying to count the money. You'll be three days trying to count the blessing. You'll be three days trying to figure out how I get this healed. Wait a minute, I'm healed. Uh, the doctor said I'd never get over this. And I'm perfectly well. Is that right, brother? Is that how it works? You just start thanking God in the middle of it. 
Yeah, but don't I need 17 steps in a syllabus? No. All you got to do is start thanking God and praising God, and you will turn any battle on earth in your favor in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up with me? Amen. Stand up with me. Praise the Lord. All right, friends. How I can be led by the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verse 26. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. So number one is unity. Say that with me. I'm going to give you three points today. All right? And then we're all going to uh, Burger King. All right? Praise the Lord. No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. Three, three points and then lunch. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you will take what I'm going to show you today, what the Holy Spirit is going to show you today, you'll never get lost. You don't need to be confused. Have you ever said things like, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wish I could hear from God. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Huh? Hmm? You just look straight ahead and say, amen, pastor. I know somebody needs to hear this. Right? But uh, there's, no, there's no need for you to, to be wishing and wondering or wavering about your pathway in life. You can be absolutely certain. And let me just say this. If you feel pressured to make a decision at the crossroads of life, my friendly neighborhood preacher advice to you would be to wait. Wait. If you feel pressured, you got to do this right and you got to do it right now. That's usually not how God operates. Amen. Now, if your kid's on the railroad tracks and you hear the Spirit of God saying, go grab him, that's different. But I'm talking about making life-changing decisions about a career, or about a, a, a spouse. Hmm? When you're making a decision about a career, it should usually, typically be something that's deep inside you that won't leave you. That's another key. When the Spirit of God is guiding you, He doesn't change His mind every half hour, like we do. It's going to be rock solid. It'll be here tomorrow. It was there last year. It's going to be here next year. So sometimes we, de we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, if I don't do this right now, this opportunity will be gone forever. I, I just don't believe that. I'm not saying there's no exceptions, but for the most part, um, God is gently leading you. You know, God, Jesus is not the cowboy with the electric prod, right? Making you do stuff, right? He's the good shepherd that leads and the good shepherd is just going to start moving in a certain direction. And if we're wise, we follow him. John 14, 26. All right. And I didn't charge my, my iPad was dead, so I'm going to need help with the screen. That'll really help me if you could just keep up with me on the screen today. Thank you so much. Jesus speaking, he says, but the comforter, that's a Greek word. Anybody know what the Greek word is? Parakletos, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, in the Amplified Bible, uh, the Comforter is called the Advocate, Intercessor, Strengthener, Standby, and a couple other terms. But God has sent the Holy Ghost to help you in life. All right? He said, and Jesus is speaking. This is the night before he was betrayed. He said, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you a couple of things along the way. I don't know. He might show you something every now and then. Is that what he said? What does he say here? He's going to teach you all things. 
You know, you and I, some of us are fairly intelligent. Some of us a little bit more intelligent than others. But no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how much experience we have, we don't know everything. Is that fair? Is that true? Am I the only one? The rest of you know everything. No? Hello. Talk back to me a little bit here. Preach at me a little bit, all right? We just don't know much, be honest with you. We don't know too much. And I think when we can have a humble recognition of how much we don't know, I think it puts us in a better position for the Spirit of God to lead us. Now, God wants to make you rich. Amen. Uh, let, me try, let me try preaching on this side of the church over here. I said, God wants to make you rich. Yes. <laughs> God wants to make you rich. I mean in dinero, dollar bills, tens, twenties, fifties, real estate, investments, Stocks and bonds, if you're into that kind of thing. Big fat checks coming to you unexpectedly in the mail. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me repeatedly. Close your eyes and say, big fat checks coming to me in the name of Jesus. See, God wants to favor you with blessing that you don't have to sweat for. What did Adam have in the beginning? Everything. How hard did he work for it? Not at all. all. Now, he was supposed to work in it, but he wasn't supposed to work for it. God has placed you already in a garden of blessing. And it is up to you to cultivate that garden of blessing. He's given you seed. And he expects you to carefully, lovingly, faithfully... Sow seed and reap a continual harvest from the garden of blessing that you are stewarding over right now. If you eat your seed, you kill your future harvest. Every seed in it has an unlimited destiny. That's why Jesus talked about the hundredfold return. And also the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 26, that Isaac, way B.C., sowed in the land where God led him to sow. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God. And he reaped in the same year, not a hundred years from now, say the same year. year. Say, I can reap this year. This This is still July. It's still July. It said he reaped a hundredfold the same year. Now what is hundredfold? Well, take a piece of paper and start folding it. I think if you use a pair of pliers, you can only fold it about seven times, right? And then you start unfolding it and count the folds, count the little squares and rectangles. That's only sevenfold. Every time you fold it, it doubles. You know, I've heard somewhere, you guys probably know as good as I do or better, if you take a penny and double it every day for 30 days, at the end of 30 days, it's an astronomical number. Who, who, who are we talking about here that's, that's increasing you? Who are we talking about? He holds all your subatomic particles together. You've got to understand that there are something like 20 trillion cells in your body. The human brain, is, it's been said by, by science that the human brain is the most complex arrangement of matter known to man. Your brain 
There's trillions of cells in your brain. And, and these synapses are sending chemical signals to one another at, at, an, at an amazing rate. They're shooting little chemical signals from one cell to the other and transferring information. Do you know that in your, your brain has the ability to remember every single color, every shade of color you've ever seen in your life? Trillions of colors. Your brain has the ability to recall every single person you've ever met, every word you've ever heard, every thought you've ever thought, every step you've ever taken in life. Your brain is that complex, that advanced, and that intelligent. And every single cell in your body, just one cell, uh, in microbiology they found out that, that the, the, the complexity of one cell in your body, and you have trillions the complexity of one cell in your body is on the same level of complexity as the universe. I mean, the symphony of interplay but, uh, of the chemical reactions taking place in one cell of your body. Who did that? Whatever, whatever is hanging you up right now ain't nothing but a thing. Talk to it. Stop, come on friends, come on. Yeah. Who's my buddy yeah. here today, come on. Right. Stop talking about it and start talking to it. That's right. uh, I think it's Annette Capps wrote a little booklet called Quantum Faith, yes. Charles Capps' daughter. Yeah. And in, in that, she talks about how faith-filled words, it's proven scientifically that they excite electrons. Talk to your bills. Curse them in Jesus' name. I've done this. I've murdered mortgages. Smile, everybody. This is good news for God's people. You can do this. Talk to credit card statements. Talk. If you have a checkbook that don't have enough money in it, why don't you pull it out and laugh at it? We don't use checkbooks. Anybody use a checkbook anymore? Yes. You use a checkbook? Okay. I do. All right. Get her an offering envelope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right there. Talk to your, your accounts in your cell phone. Jesus, Jesus said, anybody know what Mark chapter 11 says? Anybody ever read that? Verse 22, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He says if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you can change things. Faith changes things. Can I just tell you something? This is something that the Lord showed me. I'm sure that you've probably seen this years ago. But the Lord showed me this recently. Faith changes things, but love changes people. Don't get them confused. Don't try to faith people. They usually end up resenting it. Hmm. Love can take a step back and say, let's do it your way. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes we Christian people, we use faith on people and love on things. 
That's, that's backwards. That's backwards. You don't, uh, it's inappropriate to love things because things can't love you back. Things are not eternal. Everything that you have ever seen, everything that has ever been built, all the artwork, right? All the, all the books that have ever been written, every CD that's ever been made, right? It's all going to burn. It's all good. I guess Jesse talks about his, uh, what is it? A, his house is like an acre inside, 43,000 square foot. He says, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But think about, for just one second, about one cell of your human body and about all of the chemicals that are in one cell of your human body. Literally, if you could take an exploded view like you do of the universe and you, you would see innumerable, virtually infinite complexity in one cell of your body. And then you think about it on the other hand, the human body is actually very simple. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually quite simple, you know. You start walking and your feet just go forward and you walk. You don't have to like send a fax or a text or nothing to your feet. You just get it. God did all that. God did all that. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. Do you think the Holy Ghost can teach you how to make money? Do you think the Holy Ghost can teach you how to stop blowing money? Boy, he had to work with me on that one for a long time. You know why? Pride. Pride blows money. Pride says, ah, I don't have to say this. Or I don't have to be wise with this. Or I don't have to stop and check with my wife about this. Hmm. Huh? It keeps coming up about secret spending. Smile, Cindy. This is good news for married people, right? <laughs> right? No. If you're going to have fellowship in your home, you're, men, you're not afraid to talk to your wife about something you want to buy. Tell her, I want to buy 16 ATVs and just whatever. You see what she says. <laughs> she might say, yes, I don't care. I mean, that's, that's between you and her. She might make you buy her 16 coach purses. I don't know. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can God teach us how to handle money? You know, the truth is, sometimes he can and sometimes he can't. Does the word of God work for everybody? It does not. The word of God does not work for everybody. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, The sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Satan comes immediately to catch away the word that was sown in their heart. How come the devil can take the word out of some people and he can't take it out of other people? Praise the Lord. Because they just make up their mind. Other people, it says, others receive it with gladness and endure just a little while. But when the heat comes, they don't last because they don't have roots. Hmm. It says, others are under the pressures of life, persecution, affliction, the lusts of other things, the cares of this world. 
entering in and choked the word. So three out of four people, the word of God did not work for them. 25% is just a hard-headed bunch that made up their mind. There's nothing that's going to take this from me. And only you can decide whether or not your heart is going to be good soil for the word of God. I can tell you one way to make it better soil is to get on a rigorous hearing program. Get to where you're hearing and hearing and hearing. Not just, not just hearing sounds, not just having something playing in the background, but do some intentional hearing. Amen. Amen. Like when I'm sitting in a convention, and you know there's only about, what, 4.5 billion apps on your phone you could amuse yourself with while the speaker is bloviating about something you don't really care about, right? Or you could say, I'm not going to look at my phone for the next 60 minutes because this is the Word of God and I'm going to take it. You have to have that kind of attitude and you have to seize it. You have to capture it. You have to claim it. And you have to be pretty tough about it. Because, because seriously, the apps, and I'm just like you guys. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why did I come all the way to Texas to look on Craigslist in Denver for, a, right? for 16 ATVs, right? Just, okay. Can God teach us about how to handle money? I tell you, if he could, he'd make us rich. There is no limit to the wealth that the Christian can handle. There's no limit. There's not one single verse in the Bible that forbids the Christian from becoming wealthy. That should be good news to somebody. Praise the Lord. I mean, you have examples. I'll just tell you. All your Bible heroes are rich. Now, I said this to a fellow one time in church, and he argued with me. <laughs> you got to watch which church you say that in. I mean, you can tell what church you're in by whether or not you get some flack, right? If you say something like that. All your Bible heroes were rich. Name me, name me a Bible hero. David. David. David, in one offering, gave away 50 pickup truck loads of solid gold. In my Bible, uh, I wrote down, I did the math, $6.5 billion in gold. And he said, I, I gave that out of my own private reserve, out of my own savings account. And his son Solomon, did he do okay? The Bible says that Abram was very rich, not just in warm, fuzzy feelings, but in cattle, in silver, and in gold. We're talking about liquid assets. We're talking about real estate, because if you're a cattle baron, you got to have a lot of real estate, right? you got to have water rights. And back in those days, because there weren't lawyers on every corner, and the state patrol in, you know, on every road, you had to have massive political influence to keep people from raiding your cows at night. Right? right? I mean, if you have a, a million cows, you wouldn't even miss 10,000 of them or something, right? For a few days. But they know you don't touch that man's stuff. That's prosperity. You know, I don't worry about my stuff. Now, I don't say that you leave town and leave everything unlocked and leave your wallet on the front step. I'm not saying be stupid. But on the other hand, if you have faith in God, 
You don't worry about somebody taking your stuff all the time. If you're full of worry, you're not prospering. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Prosper. Where does prosperity begin anyway? It does, it, you're looking at your bank account and you're thinking, it don't look like I'm a prosperer. Friend, you could have nothing and be happy, and that's prosperity. The Bible says that Joseph prospered in prison. And that prosperity was inside him like a seed, like a vision, like a dream. And it manifested on the outside because it started on the inside. If you see yourself always failing, if you see yourself always coming up short, guess what? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to work on our imagination. We have to begin to allow, allow the Spirit of God to paint a clear picture of prosperity. Now here's the thing. You can get a beautiful, I could paint you a beautiful Rembrandt of prosperity here uh, in the next few minutes, right? And if you go home and you don't take care of that seed, it'll be choked. There's nothing I can do about it, and there's nothing God will do about it. It's totally up to you. Listen, you know, I mean, if you have something extremely valuable, you watch over it, right? Now, the Word of God that is given to us, handed down to us through generations, inspired by the Spirit of God, and ratified in the blood of Jesus, if we don't value the Word of God as, as much as anything else on earth, we shouldn't be, have any confusion in our hearts about why it's not working like it, it, for me like it could be or like I see it working in somebody else's life. If I don't value it like Jerry Savelle does, huh? then I shouldn't wonder why it doesn't work for me like, like it's working for Jerry Savelle. Amen. Can God teach me about how to handle money? Well, I think we need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask that. Can he teach me? And then I think some things that we need to do is, um, I think we need to dream. The devil wants to kill your dreams. The devil wants you to have a little two-by-four, easy-to-attain dream and plan. You know, if you have a simple little plan, you don't really need faith to accomplish it, now do you? God, the Spirit of God, is going to lead you to a place you cannot afford. The Spirit of God is going to lead you to a battle you cannot possibly win. God is going to lead you to a place where you don't speak the language. God is going to lead you to a place where you do not understand the culture. Why would he do that? Because if he can get me out of my comfort zone and take me to a place where I have to rely on him completely, then when he makes me wealthy, he gets all the credit. Yes. Can you say amen? amen. So some, some of you are wondering right now, I, I just feel like I'm treading water. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm at a crossroads and I've been at a crossroads for a long time. I don't get it, God. What am I supposed to be doing? That's a good question. That's probably the smartest question you could ask. And just because you don't think you have an answer tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. doesn't mean that God has let you down. Right? Yeah. You know, I can just tell you, I was at a crossroads for many years driving a propane truck. 
I was making $18 an hour driving a propane truck, right? That was barely keeping body and soul together. You follow me? But I would go up in the mountains all day long and pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues. Say, pray in tongues, pastor. That's good for you. Come on, come on, come on. Praying in tongues for a few hours a day will change your life. People think, well, I'm just too embarrassed to do it. It's not for somebody else. It's for you. It's for you. I've heard it said that uh, uh, your prayer language is the ladle that you dip from the cool, refreshing waters of God's wisdom. Right? So take your prayer language seriously. Most of us, when we're on the job, we have enough time to pray in the Spirit without making a fool out of ourselves. You understand that's not what I'm saying, right? Is that better? Yeah. Should I start preaching with a baseball cap every Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> it helps with the light. Okay. We can pray in the Spirit, and that will help you understand. That will, I mean, God will illuminate your mind. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, when I pray in the Spirit, my, my spirit prayeth, but my mind is unfruitful. Your mind doesn't really even understand what God is saying until it comes floating up from your spirit. And God will lead you supernaturally, step by step, and that's one of the things he uses is your prayer language. Because you're moving, when you're praying in your prayer language, you're moving obstacles out of your way. You're praying things out of your life that don't belong there. You're praying uh, temptations and preoccupations and distractions out of your heart that God does not want there. Say amen, please. That's good teaching there. When you pray in the Spirit, we're, uh, in Mark chapter 4, he says, Some of the seed fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. When the, when the sun rose up, it spread, the, the seed germinated rapidly, but it faded quickly in the hot sunlight. Why? Because it was in stony ground. Now, have you ever planted a, a vegetable garden in the backyard? Anybody? Yeah. You, you, vegetable garden. Okay, you know, cucumbers, you know. Cut them up. Put them on a sandwich. Good. Amen. Tomatoes. Glory to God. Salt. Right? Mm. Good for you. Make you strong. What do you got to do when you're planting a vegetable garden in this part of the country? Right? You, you start digging. What do you hit? rocks uh we were over uh doing a sprinkler system in boulder the other day and it was all rock just with a thin veneer of dirt you know and the, and the trencher was just throwing these rocks out of the trench I, I told the guy i said that's why they call it boulder man you know but if that's the condition of our heart if there's hard things in our heart the seed of god's word can land on precious prepared soil but the rocks will compete for the moisture and they overheat the soil and they'll kill the root before you get any fruit. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So can God teach me how to become wealthy? Well, that's a good question. Can he? He can. 
but can I receive? Where am I with my receiving? The Father will send a paracletos in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring everything to your remembrance, everything I ever said to you. I have had the Spirit of God, when I was in a pickle, bring me a word, and I knew it was God. Let me just say this to you, okay? At the crossroads of life, are you listening to me? I'm going to give you a gem here. This will help you in life. At the crossroads of life, if you love God, I'm going to give you that proviso, right? Only you know if you love God. And if he saved you from hell, you, you should love him, right? I know I do. Because I was on my way, right? One foot in hell already and the other one on a banana peel. And God saved me. But if you love the Lord, right? The guidance that the Spirit of God is going to give you at the crossroads of life will be absolutely unmistakable. Absolutely unmistakable. He does not have a speech impediment. God does not have a communication problem. We're the ones we, we get a little bit hard to deal with, don't we? Because we're slow to hear. We're slow to respond. And sometimes he said it a long time ago. We didn't do anything with it. And so now he's just kind of looking at us. Just waiting for us. Just waiting for us to come to the end of ourselves. Just waiting for us to recognize and realize that we rejected what the Spirit of God sent to us. And that we need to come back and say, you know what, Father? I know you said something to me. Will you please help me find my way back? And he will. Okay? But sometimes, if we've rejected what God has said to us, there may seem to be some silence. Have you ever said something to your kids? I mean, this is how I try to raise kids. It doesn't always work out. But I try to tell them one time. <laughs> and if they don't respond, then I need to take action. If I'm sitting on the couch yelling at the kids, right, for an hour... I'm a lazy parent, right? But if I train my children and train myself that the first time that I say something, I actually mean it, which is what Jesus said. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that she's saying are coming to pass. Those kids are going to have whatever she said. <laughs> right? Amen? God doesn't have any communication problem. We have a hearing and responding problem. But if we'll get our heart right, if we'll remove the hard things out of our heart, come on, friend, come on. What are we talking about? What are some of the hard things in a Christian's heart? Oh, you, a Christian couldn't have any hardness in their heart. I'm a pastor. I know that's a lie from the pits of hell. Okay? Christians sometimes have hard things in their heart. And that doesn't make you a bad person. doesn't mean you're going to hell. Most of the time we've just been deceived. Or sometimes we've been hurt in life. Sometimes we've been rejected. And that rejection can turn into a hard thing in our life. Hmm. Is anybody with me here today? Yeah. Sometimes we've been hurt and there's unforgiveness. That's, that'd be a stone in the heart now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Unforgiveness. How about a feeling of inadequacy when we compare ourselves to others? 
We look at the movie stars and the athletes and we think, they're like godlike, and I'm like not like. <laughs> you know? Stop comparing yourself to them. They pull their pants on one leg at a time. And for all their good looks and all their savoir faire, if you took them to McDonald's, they might not be able to put two phrases together. Amen. Unless they got a script or something. Come on, you wouldn't trade places with one of these people. I wish I had all their money. You don't want their problems. Right. You don't want their pride. That pride will blind you to where the word of God cannot penetrate your life ever. Pride, and Pastor Steve says, pride is the master sin. All other sin grows out of the root of pride. Pride blinds us to the work of the enemy. It's awfully hard to be led by the Spirit of God when we're walking in pride. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we think we're right, and we ain't. Amen. Uh, I've heard it said that if we refuse to do the Word of God, that we're halfway between God and the devil, God can't help us, though He wants to, and Satan can enter into our innermost counsel and tinker with it because we refuse to be a doer of the Word of God. We think, well, I'm okay just kind of halfway out here. I'm kind of at a safe orbiting distance from the center of God's will for my life. God understands. God knows what I'm going through. God still loves me, and yes, He does. But He also understands that His plan for your life is the best plan. And when you begin to grow up in Christ, you'll start to recognize that His plan is the only plan for my life. Amen. If you look at uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said, to Abram, get thee out of thy house and from thy kinfolks to a land that I will show you. And the, the word says that he was about 75 years old at the time. There's no telling how long ago it might have been that God said that to Abram. It might have been 50 years. It might have been 60 years. It might have been 70 years. Has God ever spoken to any of us when we were little kids? I know he did me. Five, six, seven, eight years old kids. God stalks to them all the time. And he will set the tone for your life as a child if he can get through to you at all. Amen. Amen. And there's no reason why God would have dealt with Abram any differently than he does with you and me. The Lord had said to Abram. God spoke that to Abram probably decades before Abram ever decided to obey God. So we're in good company. Right? Don't, don't, don't denigrate yourself. Don't castigate yourself. Right? Don't demerit yourself because you've been slow to obey. Just say, you know what, Lord? Your word is precious to me. I'm going to remove the stony things out of my heart. I'm going to yield up this grudge to you. I'm going to stop carrying this grudge. You know it's weighing you down. You know that, right? You can't carry that grudge into the kingdom. It's too heavy. You got to tra- you got to pack light, stay stay ready to go. You can't be carrying around a sack of rocks with you everywhere you go. Well, Jesus, I'm here to serve you today. What are you carrying there? Well, a little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of stubbornness, you know, a little <laughs> right? Some hurts from the past. Listen, I'm not I'm not literally belittling hurts of the past. But let's let the spirit of God 
heal that. Let's let the Spirit of God heal those, those busted places in our soul. And we all got them. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in this. No matter what you've been through, no matter what somebody put your, you through, no matter what you put yourself through. Listen, there's no reason you have to stay that way. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into every place in my heart. Remove this junk out of me. Change me. Everybody with me right now. Change me, Lord. Change my heart. I want to have an obedient heart. I yield up the stubbornness, Lord. I yield up the unforgiveness. I yield up these grudges. I yield up this feeling of inadequacy. I yield up this, this twisted self-image, Lord, that has caused me to replicate uh, 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 this, this dumb lifestyle, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can God lead us? Can God guide us? Can the Spirit of God... Now listen, we talked about it. How many cells in your body? How many subatomic particles in one cell? They're discovering new stuff all the time. You know, when I was a little kid, they thought electrons were the smallest thing. Well, now they're finding stuff smaller than that. Quarks and stuff. And quantum mechanics has all kinds of theoretical particles that got to be there somewhere for this thing to hold together. I mean, literally trillions and trillions of particles in one cell of your body. And just do the math. What's a trillion times a trillion? Isaiah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's a lot of zeros, isn't it? I have no idea what that is. It's a big number. That's just one cell. That's one body. How many people are there? How many nuances are there to your personality that God put in you that makes you absolutely unique in all of God's creation? Your fingerprint, your personality is absolutely unique in all of God's creation. He knew you before you were born. Your DNA was on the shelf in the catalog of God's creation before the foundation of the world. He knew you. He loved you. He had a plan to redeem you. He has a plan for your life. And it is a good plan. It is a, see, it's a good plan. Say, God, I embrace your plan for my life. Say, no more wandering. No more wavering. Show me. Come on, from the bottom of your heart. Show me, Lord. Teach me. I'm telling you, this is how I pray. This is the most powerful prayer I ever prayed. And I, and I, I still pray it. Show me, Lord. Show me. Open my eyes. Show me what you want me to see. Show me who I am. Show me what you're doing in my life. Show me what my, the meaning of my life is, Lord. I want to live a life of significance. Friend, you are in a flesh and bone body right now for a whisper in eternity. A whisper. It'll be over. We'll be out of here. This is the only shot you got to walk by faith. This is it. This is it. In the flesh. Throughout the ages of eternity, when you walk down the streets of gold, people are going to say, there goes one of God's kids. That's the church. I believe that when you walk down the street, the angels will bow their head and say, here comes the church. Step aside. Because you're living in the flesh by faith. You can't see the warfare that you're surrounded by. You can't see the, 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 the army of spirits that have been sent to confuse you, derail you, kill you when you're young, get you addicted. Get you confused and keep you confused and keep you in a place where you, you, you don't trust God. 
May God open our eyes. May God open our eyes. Teach us to trust you, Lord. That old, that old hymn we used to sing. Oh, for grace to trust him more. <clears throat> yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we didn't make it through one scripture here today, did we? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you give me uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, please? John chapter 16, verse 7. I'm going to stop right on time today. Thank you, Lord. We'll beat the... Uh, We'll be Flatirons Church to Burger King here. We'll be all right, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> 16.7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus speaking. The night before he was betrayed. Red letters in your Bible. It is expedient. He says, this is better for you guys if I split. Because if I don't leave the comforter, the parakletos, Cannot come to you. He will not come. You know, they're, they were with Jesus 24-7, 365 for three and a half years during his earthly ministry. They watched him raise the dead, give sight to the blind, heal the leper, he, uh, uh, restore missing body parts to the maimed. Amen. They watched him, I mean, supernaturally speak wisdom to the most educated men of his day. And he was surrounded by professors and he befuddled them with a word. And they lived with him 24-7, 365. And they said, man, this is it. One of them, a couple times they said, hey, let's set up the kingdom right here, man. Let's just do this. And he says, you don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but he says, and this is the night before he was crucified. He said, if I don't leave, the Spirit of God cannot come. What is he saying? He's saying, it's better for you to have the Holy Ghost than it is for you to have me in the flesh where you can see me and touch me. Say, he's talking about me. He's talking, Jesus says, it's better for you, Michelle, the situation you're in is better than the, than the 11 men sitting there at the Last Supper in the painting. Jesus said, your situation is better than them because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. All they had was what they could see and feel and hear. You're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to lead you and guide you into all the truth. He says, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you a key. Give me of Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, please. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Can you go back to verse 1 and give me the message, please? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and give me the message, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In light of all this, here's what I want you guys to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> While I'm locked up here a prisoner for the master, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He says, here's what I, how I want you guys to handle stuff while I'm in, in jail, all right? I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone just wandering off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily. 
pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You know, it is so easy and so carnal to focus on people's faults. I mean, I'm, I'm up here, it's easy to see my faults. This is the first time I ever preached in sweats and a baseball cap. <laughs> right? Huh? Don't let it be the last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's so carnal to always be focusing on people's shortcomings and faults and failures. Brother, sister, that's what mirrors are for. Huh? Come on. And while you're at it, stop tearing yourself down. You know, if we're always tearing somebody else down, it's probably because we have a poor self-image. Praise God Almighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. Next, please. You were all called to travel on the same road. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Who wants to be led by the Spirit of God? then what makes me think that God's going to lead the whole body of Christ this way and I'm a lone stranger and I'm going this way? You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You know, when you're a pastor, you know when folks are with you and folks ain't with you. We don't always talk about it, but I, we, we know when people aren't, aren't really with us, but they're here. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. And may God have mercy on whatever it is that's caused broken relationships in the body of Christ. I can't control it all. I can work to control me. The Bible talks about self-control. A lot of us use that on my brother and say, let's see if I can control my brother and my sister, right? But that's not why I'm here. You have one master, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in every one of us. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Go back to John chapter 17, verse um, 11, please. John chapter 17, verse 1. Excuse me, 11, 17, 11, John 17, 11. And now Jesus praying the night before he was crucified. I'm almost done. Can you hang on here? And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Get in unity. Get in unity. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Get in unity. Get in unity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I see verse 20, please? Jesus saying, he's still praying. John chapter 17 is one long prayer. He says, I'm not just praying for these fellows who are standing right here. But I'm praying for every single one of them that's going to believe on me through their word. He's praying for us directly because we found out about Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the people that were there in that room that night. Next, please. That they all may be 
I tell you, friends, the, the body of Christ is coming to unity. Yes. It is. We are. Yes. We are coming to unity. Uh, that's one of the reasons we're having the night of worship. I invited preachers that don't even like me Amen. to come. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> what, what about their doctrine? I don't care. We have two things in common. Jesus and geography. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be? Why? Why can't we be friends? We have Jesus and geography in common. Why can't we get along? Why can't we work together? That they all may be one. Just like you, Daddy. You're in me. I'm in you. That they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Yes. Get in unity. You can stand up, please. You can stand up. And the danger is we delude ourselves by thinking. We delude ourselves by thinking that I'm getting perfect guidance from the Spirit of God, but I'm walking in disharmony with the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? That is textbook self-delusion. To think that I have, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with God. He's leading me. He led me to do everything that I'm doing. I'm right where he wants me to do. I just can't stand church. I can't stand Christians. I don't believe in that. And I can't get along with this long laundry list of Christians that have done me wrong in the past. But I, I'm hearing God's voice just fine, thank you. That's self-delusion. And the only cure for self-delusion is repentance. Father, in Jesus' name, I worship you, Lord. I worship you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit of the living God who dwells in us. I pray for every single person in here, God, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would teach us, and that you would show us how to walk in unity, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.